It's Monday, October 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. Chris Hill is off today. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and for Million Dollar Portfolio, Dave Meyer. Gentlemen, the Red Sox won. Yes, they did, Mark. Woo-hoo! Yes, they did. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's been all earnings all the time around here for a little bit. So today, let's take a step back and have ourselves a round of overvalued, undervalued, under the radar. I thought we were just going to talk about the Boston Red Sox for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's where you were going. That's a completely different podcast. Right. That's later this afternoon. Now, the way it works, each of our analysts tells us about a stock they believe is overvalued, one they think is undervalued, and one that not too many people are paying attention to. And Jason, let's start with your overvalued pick. Overvalued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's uh, you know, I'm as impressed as I am with Best Buy's mm. sort of comeback. Uh, I, I'm pretty shocked to see that stock trading at around $43 today. <laughs> it, it's not to say that, you know, I, I think you have one side of the, of the coin that feels like maybe Best Buy, their business is completely threatened uh, by Amazon in, in facing extinction. Now, I'm not one that believes that. I, I do see a world where your Best Buys and Barnes and Nobles can can exist, all, albeit much smaller than they are today. So, with that said, I mean, I think that Best Buy uh, today is extremely overvalued considering what they have to do. Essentially, they're taking this huge footprint of these big stores uh, and, and they're having to close those doors, whittle down this cost structure that has been such a hindrance for so long. Mm. Uh, and that's good. I mean, that's what they need to do. Uh, but by the same token, it doesn't it doesn't warrant a stock today uh, at forty plus dollars. It's still bringing in actually a net loss. This guy's made forty eight billion dollars last year and actually <laughs> lost money. Jeez. And it wasn't like an Amazon losing money kind of situation. Okay, it, it was not like they were reinvesting back in the business. Uh, they are they are whittling that cost structure away. And when you look at where. E-commerce stands today, making up about six percent of overall U.S. retail sales. Mm. Uh, you know, on the one side, you can see it's still very small, but you know, on the other side, you can see there is a lot of room for this to run. And and I think that Best Buy has acknowledged that because their their strategy here is to really uh, take things to that online demographic, and that's what they're doing. Uh, the price matching. Uh, you know, shipping from store. All of these things are good. That's what they need to do. But investors need to understand how that's going to play out on their margins. Mm. And it is going to continue to crimp those margins in such a way that, yeah, it's going to let them stay. It's going to let them stay around. But but it's not going to be so profitable. Where if you look at something like an Amazon, you know, over time you're watching their margins get better. But what you see with Amazon is this product mix. It's shifting to more things than just retail. It's digital content. It's their books. It's videos, music, mm-hmm. uh, things like Amazon Web Services. And so they're able to get these these margins improving over time and generate all this cash flow to reinvest back in that business. I think Best Buy is going to be, uh, be in a really tough position here. Uh, and I just think the stock today is – I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Last week, Richard Schultz, founder of Best Buy, sold 450,000 shares of the company. Shocker! Is he is he just getting out of Dodge while the getting's good? I, I know I would. <laughs> I mean, at this price, I would definitely be unloading some of it. Is this and the I, last puff? It may it, I, it may be. I mean, at this at this level, again, I, I think that Best Buy can exist. I mean, they're changing their model to become more of of sort of a mobile hub um, as opposed to an everything electronic store. And, and again, I think that's good. I think it's just going to be a company that's going to have to be much smaller than it is today, and if, and if management uh, can focus on that and not try to compete where they really can't win, then it probably stands a chance to, to hang in there, but, but not at today's price. Fair enough. David, your overvalued pick. I am also in the retail segment with uh, Sears Holdings. Mm. Now, I'm gonna, before I 
comment about going forward. I'm going to take you back uh, to a conversation you were not at, um, <laughs> <laughs> where I was asked by Tom Gardner to uh, to give the stock that I thought would uh, be would outperform in f- over five years, mm-hmm. and and in 2007. I thought that would be Sears Holdings. Boy, have I been wrong. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no. we're, we all get them wrong once in a yeah. while. Um, but, man, they, it, Eddie Lampert has just not done anything, in my opinion, of uh, what he has planned to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that that The brand, in my opinion, is is tarnished. Um, they've, they've sunk a lot of money into the business that I don't think they're going to generate a decent return on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, a quick check of the financials show that they've gone from cash flow positive to cash flow negative. Um, wow! I mean, now we are we we may be seeing the you know the final uh, the final chapter of of that great retailer, once great retailer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be my overvalued pick. I I just don't see. I don't see how they've made any adjustments to compete in today's uh, in today's retail world. Now, if this isn't their last chapter, is there a future in the the value of their real estate, which has been the big story for forever now? Well, I mean, it's it certainly is, but uh, uh, it, there's certainly value there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, can they do anything with it, or right. do they need to give give it to somebody else to do something with it? Right. Uh, so we'll, we we will see. Okay, Jason, turning to your undervalued pick. So, you know, it, we, we talk a lot about energy, and one of the things that makes energy so difficult to really fully understand is because it's based on these commodities, oil, natural gas, and whatnot, they fluctuate uh, so consistently. But, I mean, I think one thing we've all sort of adopted is this mentality that we can't just be an oil-burning generation forever. I mean, we have to start Says introducing who? more more technology. I wonder if every generation has said that. <laughs> Probably not, but I'm jumping out there and saying it today. Uh, you know, I think that when you look at the glut of supply of natural gas we have here in North America, uh, Clean Energy Fuels is a company that, to me, is is spearheading the movement to really utilize natural gas for transportation. Now, we know that natural gas has been a good substitute or replacement sort of for coal, mm-hmm. and you're seeing a lot of power plants uh, shifting over to natural gas capabilities to use uh, natural gas for, for those power plant generation. Uh, I think that with transportation, what we've seen clean energy fuels do is really take a leadership position in this space. Now, it you know it is a company that was founded, it's co-founded uh, by T Boone Pickens and by uh, Andrew Littlefair. Andrew Littlefair is the CEO of the company. Uh, together, they own somewhere in the neighborhood of 26, 27% of the shares outstanding. And um, mm. they're building out what's called America's Natural Gas Highway, which is essentially a big network of natural gas stations all around the United States that are strategically placed uh, to benefit the trucking industry. And so basically, they are, they're bringing more and more trucking uh, companies into the fold here, helping convert those trucks over to natural gas mm. uh, because it saves money. It's better for the environment. We have a lot of it. Um, and as opposed to just trying to get everybody everywhere in natural gas all the time, they're really focusing on the transportation industry. Um, So beyond trucking, core markets include things like refuse, companies like Waste Management. Mm. Uh, They are focusing on state and local governments to get their uh, fleets uh, into natural gas capability. And today, I think the stock is – it's – pessimistically valued because I think there are a lot of questions as to really, you know, is this something that is going to take hold? To me personally, I mean, the the story here is that as long as they continue to complete America's natural gas highway, 
that's that's going to beget the success of this company. And they are showing no signs of slowing down. They just recently raised a little bit more debt in order to help finance the, the continued development of it. And, uh, you know, it's worth mentioning, too, that CEO Andrew Littlefair just bought like another 130,000 uh, shares of the company. Hmm. So typically when you see big purchases like that, they, they tend to mean, uh, you know, that leadership is, is definitely uh, bought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm bought in, too. I'll, full disclosure, I own shares of Clean Energy Fuels. But I think today at $11, it's, it's certainly at a price for what I think is going to be a very optimistic future. They report on November 7th. What are you watching for in that announcement? Top-line revenue growth. I mean, we know that right now the company's earnings are negative because they are having to plow all that cash back into building this network out. But if you look over the last five years, they've been able to grow top-line sales at about a 25% annualized rate, which is impressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm going to continue to focus on that top-line. If they continue to grow that top-line like that and build this company out, they're going to be profitable by somewhere in the 2015-16 range. Mm -hmm. And, And by then, if that's the case, the market will have caught on to that, and the stock will be, I think, considerably higher than where it is today. Okay. Dave, your undervalued pick. Mine is a little company called Ambarella. You need an umbrella, but it's so sunny outside. (laughs) 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 We have fun here. Yes, we do. Um, So Ambarella makes uh, video systems on a chip. Uh, if you've ever seen a, uh, a GoPro camera, hmm. um, they, the chips inside are what power that, are cameras like that. Okay. Um, they also serve um, security markets, hmm. uh, security camera markets, and uh, mar- especially over in uh, Russia and in the, um, in the Far East, um, dashboard cams for cars you know, to, to track what's going on, especially for insurance purposes in highly densely populated areas where there's a lot of accidents. Right. Um, you know, what we're seeing is, one, um, the company's got a good uptake of its chips right now. Um, GoPro, uh, as well as the, the, the other companies that they serve, are, are continue to grow. What's being undervalued, in my opinion, by the market is the options that um, it could have in the future. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is, as more people find more use cases for these small video chips, let's say, I don't know, wearables, Mm -hmm. which are definitely on the way. No. Yes, they are. Um, They're they're not here now, but we'll we'll continue to see more and more of those types of things uh, roll out over time. Mm -hmm. And Amberella has the, you know, the best chips with the highest quality, low power consumption, low real estate um, consumption, mm-hmm. and we'll see. You know, we'll see more people do more things with these chips. I think that benefits the company and shareholders uh, over the long term. Now, I read their press release from September, and I noticed their gross margin dropped, though it is still pretty high. Uh, what was the reason for the the, the decline? You know, uh, I'll I'll be honest. I can't remember. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hitting me with a question that I uh, that that I didn't know. Sharp, uh, uh, but I would imagine uh, if, if I if I think about what's going on at the company, hmm. I would imagine there's a product mix because they they're continually releasing new systems, mm-hmm. and it takes a little bit of time hmm. to as you you know to scale up get the unit costs down and the margins up. And again, they've been going to the next standard of video, 4K. Um, And so, you know, as as those chips, uh, as the uptake of those chips continues to grow, uh, I think you'll see the margins go the the other way. Okay. Jason, you're under the radar pick. And this was so under the radar that before we started taping, even (laughs) Ann behind the glass, there was like, what? But uh, Amazon Fresh, yeah, looking at at Amazon's grocery... um, 
grocery potential, I guess, really. You know, Amazon's obviously not on the radar, but I think maybe their their Amazon Fresh concept is still a little bit under the radar. And basically what uh, the company is experimenting with is delivering groceries, a la Peapod and whatever else uh, you know, is, is delivering groceries out there today. It's, it's a bit of a difficult uh, model to really – uh, perfect because groceries require a little bit of a different storage dynamic, right? I mean, you need right. warehouses potentially with refrigeration, spoilage comes into play, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, I think that you have a situation with Amazon. They're looking at two key markets right now in Seattle and LA mm-hmm. and trying a few different ways. Uh, you know, to, to deliver these uh, via ex- expanding the prime relationship, for example, I think in LA, making that um, a $300 annual fee, which mm. includes the $79 prime fee. Mm. Um, and then you get any grocery orders above $35 free delivery. Not a bad deal. Um, and in Seattle, a little bit differently. I think they're just trying to work out sort of the dynamics really to see what works best if it's something that can actually work. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, when, I, when I think of the distribution platform that Amazon has built up, today, I mean, they have a very expansive network of distribution centers all over the world, yeah. and they're going to continue to build them. I mean, that's you know the beauty of this business model is they make so much cash, and, and I know that we talk about their net losses every quarter, and that gets people all worked up, but mm-hmm. you know, when, when you look and you understand that Bezos is focused on making free cash flow and, and, and focusing on that operating cash flow it's so that they can reinvest back in the business, mm-hmm. you know, Dave and I talk about this all the time, and I think we're both in agreement here that it's just a very powerful business model. Uh, and then you think about the question I think a lot of people have is why would Amazon bother with this? Right. And I mean, I, I think that when you just look at the market opportunity, it, that, that gives you the answer right there. In 2012, uh, supermarket sales in the U.S. were $600 billion alone. Hmm. And so, I mean, all of a sudden you can recognize the fact, well, Amazon does probably you know, $65, $70 billion a year in sales. That is a tremendous market opportunity there. They just want a little piece of it. Right. And, and so uh, you've got Bezos is, is tenacious – at the very least. And uh, and so I think he'll continue to chase this. And, and I imagine they'll be successful to a degree. But I think it's it's definitely a story worth keeping your eye on. Now, is the value for Amazon here the, the side items that they can sell uh, as well as the groceries? Or is this actually going to be a profitable grocery business? Well, it, it could definitely be a profitable grocery business. I mean, when you look at gro- – I mean, grocers run razor-thin net margins, right? right? But the gross margin line is actually uh, – Whole Foods can be up towards the, the 30% range even better. Uh they definitely are looking looking at this as a potential to to couple more items with your grocery order. So in theory, you could order your $150 worth of groceries and, you know, tack on a TV or something with it. Um, <laughs> as it because who do. does it? <laughs> we like to eat and watch at the same time, right? No, I, but I think it is it gives it gives Amazon an opportunity to take advantage of their scale, uh, become more things to more people, and. You know, I'm in the middle of reading that the new Bezos book, the Every Everything Store, and this is truly his his world vision is to be the Everything Store. He wants to have this platform where you can have the opportunity to basically get anything you want at any time, and this is just another step uh, down that road. Okay. Last but not least, David under the radar. So uh, my under the radar company is SPS Commerce. Hmm. Now I can almost guarantee neither of you two have have heard of that. That is so under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this is an interesting little company. Um, we you know we are in it. We live in a digital age, and what this company does is basically take manual processes um, that 
a buyer and a supplier um, normally deal with. So, you know, purchase orders and and making sure that we have the logistics right to, to you know, we want to supply our product to this retailer or to, to this company over here. And they, they have a platform in, uh, you know, a, a cloud-based service to digitize all that, pro- that process. So standardized forms, um, all these all these things that basically remove slowly remove the the possibility of human error um, hmm. and making things more efficient um, and it's growing like gangbusters and uh, even o- over the last twelve months stock is up about one hundred and fifteen percent Wow so again under the radar and yet it's, <laughs> it's killing it okay. <laughs> um, uh, it, the, what I liken it to is there's a little company on uh, rule breakers called Athena Health which basically does the same thing it digitizes the manual once manual processes that are required to make a health the healthcare industry run and it's doing the same thing for business um, even though it's up I, I still think it's it's a it's a very interesting company um, I think they have incredible tailwind behind it because this is something once they're in they can keep digitizing you know hey here's another thing we can do and another thing we, oh we can do that for you too would mm. you like this sure <laughs> we can make all you know basically make the supplier buyer relationship that much better and take a little cut along the way nice now you're definitely right I haven't heard of SPS before <laughs> uh, who are their big customers anyone who I have heard of so the, their customers are basically the suppliers okay. um, so here the way it works is they they'll they'll go to like a target and they'll say what processes do you need standardized? Mm-hmm. And then the suppliers to Target will join the network and make sure that Target is getting the right information. Got it. Got it. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. All right. Before we go, we've got to chat about this bit of news we were talking about earlier. According to All Things D, Snapchat is in talks to begin another round of funding <laughs> that would value the company at, wait for it, $3.6 billion. Despite the fact that they have no revenue. That's with a B, folks. <laughs> that is with a B. Am I taking crazy pills here? Why? Why $3.6 billion? Why not? Why not hire? <laughs> I, I, mean, I think that's a legitimate question. I think when you look at this and then you think about the fact that Facebook bought Instagram for $1 billion. Right. Now, I, I've, I've never used Snapchat. I mean, I understand the premise of it, essentially. You can send pictures and then they disappear in like 10 seconds. Right. And I think that if you think those pictures aren't going somewhere else, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. a bridge to sell you to. That's a whole other but, podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like when you I – mean, how you value a company at $3.5 billion that brings in no revenue, mm-hmm. uh, that I think is a good indicator of where we are in this – and I'm going to call it this. We're in a bit of a tech bubble right now. Uh-oh. Sort of this – you know, unbridled enthusiasm for your, uh, you know, all all of these, all of these, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Now, I think you know, LinkedIn to me is is a bit more of an attractive model because they make their money a number of different ways. Snapchat, this is this is this is baffling. I mean, I just <laughs> so let me let me see if I can put a little um, put a little color into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've actually just been pouring over Twitter's um, S one, mm. in uh, which is you know the shares are getting ready to start trading. And one of the conclusions that um, I came to is one of the reasons Twitter is very valuable to advertisers is because it gives an advertiser the opportunity to go after something that is on your mind right there. Right. Right? So you, you send out a thought and it goes out to the network and, that, and an advertiser goes, hey, I know what you're thinking right now. Boom. Let me bring, let me bring some additional content. Hmm. Now, if we think about 
Snapchat. Perhaps there's a similar type of thing going on there. Now, granted, it is a it is a picture. Mm-hmm. So, is there something that can help? Uh, you know, I, this is what's on my mind right now. Probably don't want to know. Go too deep into the teenager's mind, um, <laughs> based on True. based on pictures that I've seen before. But I do wonder again if you're bringing people uh, to a platform, mm. um, and the first mechanism is a picture, mm. whereas with Twitter the first mechanism was 140 characters. Right? Is this something that they can expand? Amazon did the same thing, remember, with books, right? It was the the internet retailer of books, and everyone was like, who cares about that? How big is that business? Well, now we're, you know, now look at what they're selling. So Snapchat is the Amazon <laughs> of social media. You heard it here yeah. fo- first, folks. <laughs> that is not what That's I not said. What he said. <laughs> but it's close. I would, uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised, actually, in all honesty, because we are seeing at least this. The numbers tell us that, that teenagers are defecting from Facebook and going to Instagram and Snapchat. Well, did, are they really defecting then? That's the point. That's part of the point right there. The defection to Instagram is is not actually defection because I I don't know that many people know this. I know we know this because we talk about it all the time, but Facebook owns Instagram. And my point is, though, that it wouldn't shock me to see Facebook actually make an effort to purchase uh, Snapchat at some point because Mm -hmm. I do feel like – uh, you know, fa- that that is going to be a concern of Facebook's going forward. I think is the defections of people going to other other social media tools, and, and if uh, Snapchat is one way to do it, I don't know that they would fork over three and a half billion dollars for right. it. But um, I'm sure the owners would probably take a little bit. Yeah, less. I, I I'm certainly not going to uh, not going to say that the Snapchat valuation isn't doesn't seem a bit frothy. But the other thing I think Jason brings up a very good point. This could be very. This could be even more valuable to someone else, right. and that is a legitimate way to uh, to think about the valuation of a business. It's it's may not be high probability, but it's certainly a, a good way to think about it. All right, definitely something to watch for Jason Moser, Dave Meyer. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. As always, people on this program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the incredibly awesome Ann Henry. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>